Good morning. It's lovely to see you all. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Tara and I am on the staff team here at St Mungo's. And many of you may also know my husband, Adrian. Um, Adrian has been coming to St Mungo's for his entire life. Um, and Adrian and I have been married for just over 19 years. Thank you. I know. Yes, that's, that's pretty pre impressive. Now, anybody who spends that length of time with someone that they love will perhaps start to appreciate some of the things that they are passionate about that you would never have cared for before you met them. And so I stand before you this morning as someone who has been transformed into a person who appreciates rock music, <laughs> mostly, um, and recognizes and can correctly identify rock bands when they come on the radio. Now, before I met Adrian, I was firmly a pop girl, and the cheesier, the better. S Club, Westlife, Spice Girls, seen them all in concert, and I still, Love that music, obviously I do. But my ear has become attuned. So that when the rock quiz happens, and by that I mean when we're driving in the car and a song comes on and Adrian asks me to identify who it is. I know you all want to come on a long car journey with us now, don't you? I can often identify the band or the singer. Sometimes I need a clue, but over the years, my percentage of correct answers has increased, and my musical taste has broadened to the point that I would now say I have a genuine love of some rock music. <laughs> now, this process would not have been possible without my collaboration. I know other people in similar situations who have resisted this education process, as is their choice. And I will admit that at the beginning, it was not always a great joy to me. But because I love Adrian, and this is something that he loves, I chose not to stick my fingers in my ears or turn over the radio channel. I decided to accompany him to gigs, some of which I regret, and to sit with him and watch the documentaries on the television. And I, being a mostly willing participant in these things, have been changed. I am transformed. Through our morning sermon series, we are looking at the three stages to fulfilling the vision of be love. That is to abide, to follow Jesus, to be his disciples, to be transformed, to be changed by Jesus, and to go and make disciples for Jesus. And over the last couple of weeks, Sarah and Isaac have taken us through the first stage of abiding. And this morning and next week, we're going to be thinking about being transformed by Jesus. And through all of this, we have our, our key verse from Matthew 4, verse 19. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And as we start to think about being changed by Jesus, it's that kind of middle part of the verse that we're taking this from. I will make you. Sarah and Isaac spoke about how when we are following Jesus, we will start to change. 
It's almost impossible that they would have spoken about abiding in Jesus without touching on the fact that the act of following Jesus will change us. But we're going to take a bit more time this morning to dig into that some more and think about how that transformation happens and the impact that it has on our lives. In his book, Practicing the Way, John Mark Comer talks about this process as spiritual formation. But he points out that spiritual formation is not just a Christian process. Every human is being spiritually transformed, whether they are aware of it or not. And he writes, every thought you think, every emotion you let shape your behavior, every attitude you let rest in your body, every decision you make, each word you speak, every relationship you enter into, the habits that make up your day, whether or not you have social media and how you use it, how you respond to pain and suffering, how you handle failure or success, all these things and more are forming us into a particular shape. We are being either transformed into the love and beauty of Jesus or malformed by the entropy of sin and death. We are always being shaped and formed constantly throughout our whole lives. And so the question then becomes, by what? By who? And for what purpose? And just because we might consider ourselves Christians doesn't automatically mean that we are always being shaped by Jesus. Because you see, in all of this, there is an invitation. Jesus does not force himself on us. He does not change us where we are not a willing participant. This transformation that we're talking about will only happen can only happen with our cooperation, with our surrender. In Luke 18, Jesus encounters a young man who asks him what he must do to inherit eternal life. He tells Jesus that he has kept the commandments since he was a young boy. But Jesus tells him he still lacks one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. We are told that the young man heard this and was very sad because he had great wealth. Following Jesus was going to be very costly and require a costly transformation in his circumstances, and he decided it was too much. It was too hard. And he walked away. We're not told anything more about him, but I wonder, did he still come to hear Jesus preach from time to time? Did he still feel drawn to the rabbi from Galilee, but just couldn't surrender to the transformation that would happen by becoming a real disciple? I think that choice is there for all of us. Following Jesus 
at a comfortable distance is an option, but not if we want to be a disciple. Colossians 3 speaks of letting the word of God dwell in us richly. We need to allow the teaching of Jesus, the word of God, to dwell in us, shape us, mold us. And in that, we have to be active participants. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We offer ourselves to be transformed as an act of love, as an act of worship. John Mark Comer says, we have a responsibility to cooperate with God's transforming grace. He won't force it on us. As St. Augustine said in the fourth century, without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. And this is not a one-time thing. We don't decide to become a Christian, give ourselves to God, and then he takes over. It's a daily act of surrender in order to be continually formed into the likeness of Christ. So what does this actually look like? Well, we're going to read those verses in Romans again, but this time in the message. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. In one of my former jobs as a schools worker, one of my colleagues worked in and around uh, Birmingham. And so he worked in a lot of schools where there were mainly um, pupils of, of kind of Muslim or Hindu background. And he was speaking to some ladies in his church one day who regularly prayed for him in his work. And he told them that that upcoming week he was going to be accompanying a class on a visit to a mosque. And the ladies said, gosh, we will absolutely be sure to pray for you this weekend. And he said, as he reflected on it, he thought it a little strange. Because how many Christians wander away from the path and convert to Islam? Not that many. But how many of us wander away consumed by our culture, by consumerism, 
by individualism. But nobody offers to pray for you when you're going to the supermarket or the shopping mall. Nobody offers to pray for you when you're going to the cinema or when you're scrolling on social media. If we are all being formed constantly by what surrounds us, by what we consume, by what we allow to influence us, then we have to make a conscious decision to resist being shaped by our culture. And as we follow Jesus, as we walk as his disciples and fix our attention on him, we lay down our lives before him, our everyday, ordinary lives, our sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around lives and allow him to shape them as he sees fit. So what will the consequence of this be? Well, most likely a great reordering of our lives, a reprioritizing, a call to lay some things down, maybe bring some other things further up our agendas. The consequence is that our lives will start to be marked by us loving the things that Jesus loved and prioritizing the things that he makes time for. Practically speaking, maybe there is a change in how I spend some of my time or my energies, what I do with my money or my resources, who I make time for, what I allow to take up space in my life internally and externally. It might mean letting go of some things that our culture would tell us to keep hold of and instead embrace things that our culture would see as foolish or a waste of time. Author and activist Shane Claiborne, in his excellent and very challenging book, The Irresistible Revolution, says this. A while back, I did something dangerous. I decided to read the Bible. I fled the Christianity that was suffocating me, the fast faith I had gorged myself on, and find myself to be another overchurched soul starving for God. I simply began to ask, what if God meant the stuff he said? And things have been a mess ever since. I know that there are people out there who say, my life was such a mess. I was drinking, partying, sleeping around, and then I met Jesus and my whole life came together. God bless those people. But for me, I had it together. I used to be cool. I was the prom king, for goodness sake. And then I met Jesus, and he wrecked my life. The more I read the gospel, the more it messed me up, turning everything I believed in, valued, and hoped for upside down. I am still recovering from my conversion. You see, being transformed by Jesus can sound like a great idea. We may be saying, yes, I want to be a disciple. I want Jesus to mold me and shape me. But remember the rich young man who walked away because to follow Jesus would turn his life upside down 
and cost him some of the things that he valued most. And he wasn't prepared for that kind of molding and shaping. Isaac spoke last week of the picture that we see in John 15 of the vine and the branches, where the branches are pruned in order to be fruitful. That is not a comfortable picture. Pruning is painful. I remember years ago using a daily devotional of writings by A.W. Tozer and him talking about this image of a beautiful stone sculpture that people admire with its smooth edges and its you know, smooth surfaces and curved edges. And he pointed out that a sculptor doesn't use a manicure set to shape the, the unshapely mass into a thing of beauty, but rather a hammer and a chisel. And those are hard tools. But without them, the stone must remain forever formless and unbeautiful. Being transformed will not necessarily always be gentle. Jesus is kind and he is loving. But we are sinful and selfish. And so there might be times when our formation into Christ-likeness takes significant work. And this work won't just transform us internally, as we've said, but externally. The transformation will enable us to live out God's command to love him and love others. One more from John Mark Homer, as he writes, the professor, Dr. Robert Mulholland, defines spiritual formation as a process of being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. Yes, there is a journey inward and even a self-discovery that are key to Christian spirituality, but it's followed by a journey outward into love, into action in the world. The goal is to be formed by Jesus at every level of our beings into those who are pervaded by love. Some of you perhaps wear those uh, transition sunglasses that change with the light. The kind of glasses that you wear all the time and the lenses are clear, but then when the sun shines bright, the lenses darken so that they become sunglasses. I think there's something in that picture about what happens to us when we are formed by Jesus. The closer we get to him, the closer we get to his light, the more our view of the world around us changes. We will see situations differently. We'll see people differently. We'll watch the news differently. Respond to injustice differently. The inner transformation will spill over into outer action. We will be open-handed with the things that we have and open-hearted towards those on the edges. But as we've said, none of this happens by accident. Nor does it happen simply by virtue of the length of time you've been a Christian. We don't suddenly wake up one day when we've been following Jesus for 20 years and find that we've become a saint. 
No longer experiencing worry or lust. No longer judgmental or angry. Now generous to a fault and able to freely love our enemies. Christ-likeness is not an automatic download that we get for loyally following Jesus for a particular length of time. But rather spiritual formation is something that we must choose and keep choosing day after day. It will require intentionality, a continual laying down of our agendas and taking up his. But when we do that, daily, asking the Holy Spirit for help, slowly but surely, we will be molded and shaped to be more and more like Jesus. But it starts with surrender. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the band to come back up. And I'm going to invite you, um, if you are able, to stand. Because the first thing we're going to do is we're just going to respond initially just by singing a song in worship. But I'm going to use the words of that song as a prayer for us. And if you would like to, if you are able, as an act of surrender, I invite you to put your hands out. Often when we do that in in prayer and in response, we're asking for something. We're saying that we're ready to receive. This morning, it's as an act of surrender, of us saying, here it is. Here I am, Jesus. You can have it all. It's all yours. Jesus. All for Jesus. All I am and have and ever hope to be. All of my ambitions, my hopes, my plans. I surrender these into your hands. For it's only in your will that I am free. Jesus all for Jesus all I am and have and ever hope to be